Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. So I went to a labor Zionist Jewish socialist summer camp in the early 90s. I'm born in New Orleans, raised in Boston, went to Boston Public. But when I was 11, my parents decided to move to Ohio. My first camp experiences were four years of nerd camp. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Jessica Hankin. And I am Laura Wexler. And this week on the podcast, Summer Camp Craziness. Three stories about hijinks away from home. Our first storyteller is Shira Layden, who is going to share. It's So he, this is a great story about the, the sort of the holy grail of sleepaway camp is is the sneaking out at night prank, mm-hmm. right? And so this is such a cool tale about trying to find a prank that is. Next level. It's next level. It's not mean, but it's disconcerting. Yeah. So take a listen. So I went to a labor Zionist Jewish socialist summer camp in the early 90s. And if you didn't go to one of those sorts of camps, it's like hippy-dippy camp is sort of what that means. Um, There weren't a lot of, we didn't have a lot of things. We didn't have a lake. We had a stream. Um, We didn't have any fancy archery equipment or anything like that. We had like overgrown sports fields and that sort of thing. And what it led to is a lot of the way that we engaged with each other was through like just coming up with stuff to do and the counselors were sort of of the same attitude and my age group was at camp at a strange point in time we were at the end of sort of like the chaotic 80s where camp was very much sex and drugs and sort of at the beginning of camp into like the millennial time where it's it's camp Um, so there was a deviance in us And the administration both did not like that deviance because it's sort of frowned upon, but they appreciated it because, you know, 10 years earlier, five years earlier, they were doing much more deviant things and really enjoying it. So one thing that my group liked to do is at camp there was this this idea called raids. And a raid is you go out of your bunk at night, you sneak into someone else's bunk, and you do something mean. Um... And when we were little at camp, it could be it, it was never too destructive, but it was like you might come in with a box of Oreos and you take all the cream out and you put toothpaste in, you leave it there for them, or you you'd bring like a giant ball of yarn and you tie it to all the beds and make like a giant spider web and sneak out. And uh, the people who were running camp didn't like us doing raids, so they told us that we couldn't do any more raids unless we wanted to do nice raids, which was like, you wake people up with a box of cookies. Yeah, cookies. Or you wake people up with some ice cream. Yeah, ice cream. Or you wake people up with ice cream and cookies. It's like, that's not, what a, that's not why you do a raid. You do a raid because you want to get away with doing something bad. That's why you do it. And you want to – there's, 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 some, there's something to that, especially when you're like 12, 13. Um, so we came up with a raid that I'm very proud of to this day, and I wanted to tell you what it was because I think it rides the line perfectly between appropriate it's – like, it's like non-aggressive deviance, and it's wonderful. So here's what you do. You sneak in. So also, to know at my camp, we were allowed to write our names and stuff on the wall so you could see like, oh, this guy went to camp like 10 years ago. Like, there's my dad's name from a while ago. So it was okay to do that. Um, you'd sneak into a cabin, and you would paint a white square on the wall, like one foot by one foot, and that's it. You leave. 
Two days later, two nights later, you come in and you repaint that square yellow. And then you leave. And then you wait a couple more days. You wait like four or five days. And then you come in and you paint it black and you paint a little white square inside it. So it's very noticeably different. And then you just wait. And the wonderful thing about this prank is that as a 12-year-old, it forces you to appreciate patience because you don't really see the chaos that you're causing, but you know that at least one of those kids is looking at that wall every day. <laughs> and he's asking people about it, and they don't know. And you're creating that, that wonderful sort of like twisted nature that can come out at camp, and you're doing it in a way that isn't terribly hurtful. So there you go. That's a good prank. Try it at camp. Yeah, I like that. I like how he kept on saying that like his counselors were clearly always just drug-addled. <laughs> yeah, like went to camp in the 80s. Which is um, just sex drugs and more sex and drugs. And I just, I feel like it was almost like a Banksy-type situation <laughs> where they were, you know, painting these squares on the wall and then it would be a different color than it would be a square within a square. It's very patient. You know it would be awesome if, like... If it was like Banksy and like one day just the entire cabin fell down, you know, oh. the Banksy, remember the Banksy piece that was auctioned and then as soon as the gavel went down, the painting slid down out of the frame and was shredded. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Right. That's totally possible. That's exactly Anybody what listening they were can do that at summer camp this year and they don't have to give us any credit. Okay. So this next story, I like I'm listening to this and thinking like, Really? Like, I cannot believe this happened. So you guys, take a listen. Thank you so much for letting me come up. This, as you're all telling your stories, this story went poof, like I had forgotten about this story, which just had to come back out. So a little bit about me. I was raised a city kid. I'm born in New Orleans, raised in Boston, went to Boston Public. But when I was 11, my parents decided to move to Ohio. Like, Ohio. What are you going to do in Ohio? Like, I don't know anything about Ohio. Where's my city? I don't have my, my buzz, any of my grit, my grime. So my parents decide the thing to do is we're living next to the zoo. We're going to go to zoo camp. Oh, zoo camp's good. Well, zoo camp's full. So my mom decides the next best thing is nature camp. I'm like, okay, nature camp. There's hiking, and there's some plant ID, and there's some scat ID. And I go, and this is good, and we're doing our hikes. And one morning they wake up, and they say, today is taxidermy day. (laughs) I'm like, wow, taxidermy. I'm like, and they say, now, do you have a little pool of mice over there? You got to go pick one out. I'm not going to pick out a mouse. And he said, you got to pick out a mouse, and you got to break its neck. And I'm like, I'm like, wow. I'm so not doing that. I am not going to do that. And I said, okay, we're going to do it for you. <laughs> so I said, I can handle that. I-, I-, I can do this. And on my little tray, like all the other little kids, and I don't know, we're all 10 and 11 years old, are razor blades and exacto knives. We're talking about the camp, right? This is not your normal camp. And we're it's 1970s. We have our knives out. And now I have a somewhat flaccid mouse in my hand. 
and a bunch of knives. And they say, okay, you got to cut it open. Like, I'm not cutting that open. I said, yeah, you got to cut it open and you got to peel off the skin. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. No, it's really easy. You pick up the exacto knife. So I'm, I'm now proceeding to slice this little mouse open. Who's pregnant? I'm not killing one animal. I've got like 20 little creatures on my tray. And I'm looking around at my friends, friends, new friends, right? And they're kind of like digging away. And I'm like, ew. <laughs> so I get to the, we're like, torso. I'm like, well, kind of like I got, I said, uh, hey, counselor, man, because I don't remember his name. I'm like, how do you get the skin off the paw? <laughs> like, well, you don't. You just got to cut the bone. I'm like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> So now me and my knives are sawing the tiny little legs right at the paw. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> Fuck shit. Whatever can go in my head at 11. I'm like, ah, I don't say these words, but okay, I can. But now I've gone around the ears and the eyes. Like, what do you do with the eyes? You just kind of cut them out. So. <laughs> oh, but it gets better. <laughs> the stuffing? The, the poly bag of stuffing they bring out because there's enough for everybody in one bag. And you got <laughs> my revenge. Okay, I'll just give you my revenge. My revenge after that incident was to then proceed to place the mouse in various different parts around my parents' house. Yeah, that was good. I mean, I can, I mean, again, like this was clearly the 80s, right? Is that when she said it was? Um, maybe the 90s. Are you saying yeah. like taxidermy was, was big think, in that era? I just think that there was just a, the ethical concerns of society were, you know, that society was less than concerned with ethics in the 80s is what I, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to just stand by that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love how she just throws in at the end, um, you know, so the way I got back at my parents is to like, put the taxidermied mouse like at different places all over the house. Again, this is um, artful pranking. Yeah. But um, if I found out my kid were doing that at camp, uh, no. Would yeah. not like it. Well, you know. I have an, an old boyfriend, I think I've talked about this before, who has um, developed like an incredible attachment to all of the mice in his house and has created like right. a little home for them. Yeah. Uh, the, the mice that were, you know, the infestation um, now have, you know, arguably a nicer uh, domicile than some people living in, you know, New York City. Well, that also reminds me about the storyteller who shared a tale about how she had pet rats and a street rat burrowed into her basement and ate the pet rat. (laughs) So that is really probably more than more deep than we should have gone into this matter. Okay, so this final story is so delightful. We're going to just let you all listen to it. Well, I'll, I'll first, I'm first going to say that I heard you talk about nerd camp, and when my first camp experiences were four years of nerd camp at the Westchester Arts and Sciences camp, where we got on the, we got on the bus and went to the camp, but I'm not going to talk about that. I will talk about sleepaway camp. Uh, I did two years of sleepaway camp with the Boy Scouts of America. 
The first at Camp Wabika, which is – I still don't know where it is. But it's, it's somewhere north of New York, somewhere north of New York City. Eventually you get, eventually you get lost and you get there. Um, and uh, at Camp Wabika, I was introduced to something that had, was outside of my experience as a child of the suburbs in the 60s, which was the outhouse. Um, an experience which I found so intimidating that I somehow managed to go 10 days <laughs> without venturing into the outhouse until eventually at the um, – where they fed us bug juice and whatever else slimy camp kind of stuff they fed us that they let me use the – regular facilities, which was much better. Uh, so the next year, in the hopes of getting, really in the hopes of getting better food, I went to a different camp, which is on the New York-Pennsylvania border, and it's run by the um, New York City Boy Scouts, and that was Camp Ten Mile River. And at Ten Mile River, they had one place where I thought I could get better food, which was the kosher place. Now, this was very nice, except that we didn't keep kosher, and I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I thought, well, it's going to be kosher food. It should be, should be cleaner. It should be healthier, whatever. But it meant that instead of going into the dining hall to have the food made for us, we would have to make our own food. <laughs> this was an adventure. We would get cans of what we referred to as uh, – Giant purple movers. These are uh, number 10 can, my first exposure. Again, you know, very spoiled little little Jewish boy. My first exposure to the number 10 can, a giant can that probably contains about 20 pounds of plums, which is very useful in, the, in, our, in our camp facility. Uh, we also, one, one night, had to cook chicken. Now... Many things that I had not done in my life, cooking was one of them at that time. Chicken was certainly one of them at that time. And I don't think any of us, any of the boys, knew what cooking chicken meant. Uh, and I'll just say that that was when we discovered salmonella. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> most about uh, David's story. Uh, it's So the storyteller is David Cohen. And I just love his accent. It's mm. like such a quintessential um, New York accent, a certain type of New York accent. And uh, yeah, it's very quintessential nerdy and quintessential salmonella. Well, and um, of course I'm honing in more on the poop because I love a good poop story. Yeah. And it reminds me of um, my son went to a nature camp where they Luckily, there was no taxidermy, but the bathroom was awful, 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 awful. And it was a day camp, but one night you could every all the families came and did a camp out at the camp, and he had to poop. 
and he absolutely could not poop in this awful bathroom. And I forget they had a name for it that was the opposite of what it was. Like the name was like Wonderland or Paradise or something. And he had to poop and he couldn't poop and he was just really upset and uncomfortable. And so Mike, my husband, um, asked them for a shovel and they went out in the woods um, and he was gonna like shovel the hole and it never happened. But I just always, it's a big family memory that he couldn't poop and that dad was gonna um, (laughs) shovel. And then Char, my daughter, just came back from a summer camp and did not poop for the entire time she was there because the bathroom was so bad. So wow. this is a thing. Yeah, that's still. A it's very unhealthy. Yeah, it really is. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. I also, to- can I just add one more thing, which was, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember it vividly. The first time we ever went camping. You and I. You and I. You let everybody know beforehand that you weren't sure you were going to like camping because you poop several times a day. Well, because it was, we were going to go, the suggestion at the time was that we were going to do the type of camping that you're just describing. Which is actual to, real camping. Yeah, where you dig a hole. And, and I was like, all I'm going to be doing is digging holes. <laughs> like, that's that's how I'm going to This was early in our relationship. <laughs> and I just remember being like, wow, those are some bowels. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my superpowers. superpowers is I'm I'm very regular. That's That's great. <laughs> Here you go, some summer camp craziness to start off your summer. And please take all of this knowledge and these tips, <laughs> except the taxidermy, and go forth and have a great summer camp experience. We'll be back with more stories from the studio. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.